Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's uh, Thursday since I have... Again, I'm trying to grab minutes in between finishing college and my next item. Uh, Zev Reagan told me that, that if I send it out on Friday, people complain to him they didn't have time to get in before Shabbos. I'm going to try my best to see if I can hop around on Thursday, but I can't always do that. Anyway, without any further ado, we're looking at Parshas Vayero. Let me just think here. And in Vayero, what do we have? We have, I guess, two big stories that come to mind. One is the Akeda, obviously. The other one, which is more interesting to me at this moment, is Sodom, right? Sodom gets the story. You have a story of Lot and everything like that, don't you? Now, uh, Sodom, sodomy, sodomite, become a major theme in the world culture. I actually spoke about this the other day. That's why it's on my mind. Uh, but why? What exactly? What does Sodom do so bad? What, what, what is the uh, popular image in the Jewish and Christian world influenced by the Bible, by the Old Testament, of Sodom? Um uh, doesn't exactly say what precisely the sin is. But if you ask me, if you look broadly speaking culturally, Sodom invokes, uh, certainly in Jewish tradition, two uh, themes, A and B. One is that of a decadent society, um, decadent in the sexual sense. This is because when the two angels come to the house of Lot, they all say, Hotsi emulator venero or something, which means throw your guests out so we can rape them which is where you get sodomy from. So, what's that? You know, what's that? And uh, and when Lot wants to throw the daughters out, the, the crowd is not satisfied. So, what is that? LMI, you see that they were gay. That's how it goes in history. And so it then becomes a symbol of depravity, uh, decadence, although this is not politically correct now. But, you know, until now, until recently, this was what you would usually hear from a thousand pulpits. Uh, Jewish, Christian, Reform, Conservative, all the rest of it. In today's environment, you can't say anymore. And so, um, in, in liberal pulpits. And so, instead, the focus is going to shift to the other theme of Sodom. Because, in addition to this, um, as I say, and the story is uh, one of uh, decadence and depravity, um, expressed in, in the uh, homosexual sense... That's the way the Old Testament writes it. Uh, but you also get the idea in, in, in Jewish literature. And that's the dome of pure capitalism. Zero chesed. Again, it doesn't exactly say those words. But you derive this from the story. Well, how exactly do you derive it from the story? Well, uh, because here's the only place the dome is mentioned and the fact that Lot last week moved there. That's it. If you go by Chazal, the dome was only around for 50, 55 years total. So, uh, it's just interesting. So, what you end up with is, well, only Lot took him in, and it sounds like the people surrounded the house of Lot because they're angry that he took in guests. Doesn't exactly say those words, does it? Not in the Chumash. Um, there are Midrashim and so forth like that, but it doesn't say it in the Chumash. Uh, but nevertheless, it's sort of implied. They're angry because he did a Chumash of any sort. Seems to be. 
And based on that, you get this idea of Saddam is a pure capitalist society, which means when I say pure capitalism, nobody steals, everybody makes their money however they make their money, you know, legally, but they don't want to share a penny of it with any tzedakah, zero. This becomes the image in Judaism, I think Christianity, oh, well, not Christianity, in Judaism, of Sodom and sodomy, you know, the, 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 the pure selfishness. Uh, to be perfectly honest, there is a Pusik in Yechesko, uh, which is also the basis of this. It's a very interesting Pusik. Yechesko is written much later, where he says, Hinesa Hoya Avon, Sidom, something, Stomachosech, Gaon Silvas Lechem, Veshalva Heshket Hoyala. That Saddam was uh, loaded and prosperous, and they had food and all this stuff. But they wouldn't give anything to a poor. Wouldn't give a glass of water to a thirsty camel. That's what they were. And the Prophet Yechezkel is blasting the Jews in his time that they're acting like Sodomites, not in the sexual sense, but in the cheapo sense. That you, you know, you're not, no chesed, zero chesed, zero tzedakah. By the way, if you go out in the real world, there's a ton of people out there giving them money for tzedakah. It's, it's not funny. You know, if you're in the front world, you get hit every two minutes. I get it, but we're used to it. You know, if if Meshulachan come to Shul day in, day out, either you give them something, you don't give them something, but you know, it's part of life. You can't say close down the Meshulachan, close down the, the, the beggars. Uh, it's part of life. You go to Israel, the, the Kotel, everywhere else, it's part of life. But they're, So if you're from, you're just used to it. If you're not, very often... Uh, talk to accountants. I have students and others. They're accountants and they're 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 clients. They give nothing all year long. Maybe a penny, you know, hardly anything to charity. It's quite quite remarkable, <laughs> actually. And this is this. And by the way, they didn't cheat anybody. They got their money legally. You know, they work for a living. All the rest of it. They don't share a penny of it. And so this is the other thing associated with Saddam. That you can see from any pulpit in the world. In fact, that's a liberal democratic message, uh, depending how you play it. Uh, you know, that uh, you don't want to help the poor, you don't want to take in the uh, homeless, you don't want to take in the, uh, the what's, what's the expression, the immigrants, and so on and so forth. So, according to them, Trump would be a sodomite, you know what I'm saying, that way. Now, it's very interesting how this all develops. So we have this idea of Saddam, and whatever they did, whether it was A or B or a combination of the both, God basically says, I've had it up to here, right? I'm going to wipe out the city, I just have to warn Avram and Lot and so forth. Uh, as we all know the story. So it is very interesting, uh, this notion of a city who's so bad that the, the, the guy can't take anymore. Let me put it this way. Is Sodom the only city that has depravity in the ancient world? If you know a little bit about archaeology and things like this, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness, I can't say in a podcast what used to go along one in the ancient world. Forget about it. So Sodom, don't hold a candle to them. That's number one. Number two, uh, 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 pure capitalism, zero tzedakah? I'm not sure. You know, it's an interesting question. Is, is that characteristic of the of the ancient world? I, I, I never studied that. But I, 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 I don't know if, if, if that's the case. Uh, so it's interesting, this idea of Saddam. Now it gets really interesting. Lot moved there. We all know the story from last week. Avram, let's get this straight. Avram went, as I told you last time, twice to Israel. Uh, when he was 70, and then when he was 75. That's what the Chazal say. Did I talk about this last week? I assume I did. Anyway, maybe I didn't. But that's what they say. Lech Lecha is actually round two, when he went 75. But the first time he went 70. And when he went when he was 70, he took Lot and Sarah and the whole gang, and they came there, 
and there was a famine, and they went to Egypt, Lot and, and Soren, the whole gang. And they came back, and they got in the war with Gedor Lomer, Lot and Soren, the whole gang. And by the time the war is over, Avram is loaded, and so is Lot. And um, that means they had a lot of gold, silver, and sheep and cattle. They moved to Beisail, which I think is near Shiloh. You know, in the belly button of Israel. You know where that is, north of Jerusalem. Uh, where they take you today on the, on the, on the tours, uh, Beisail. And, uh, and then, what's interesting is that uh, the land was not able to hold so many sheep and cattle, as we know from Melech Lecha. And then Avram famously said, you go one way, I'll go the other. You go to the right, I'll go to the left. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. And so Lod, who had the first dibs, picked Sidom, uh, Kikula Mashka, because the economy was unbelievable. If you have uh, cattle and sheep and that sort of thing, you need a ton of water. Uh, and you also need, you know, the grass that grows in water. And apparently, think about what I'm about to tell you. There was no Dead Sea. So instead what happened, you have the Yardin, the Jordan River. The Jordan River is called the Yardin because it's the Orade. So it goes down. So the water starts all the way up by the Kinneret, you know, the rivers that flow into the Kinneret. And then it goes down, so it's a lot of water, which today empties into the, uh, into the Dead Sea. It's Holech Le'ibud. As a matter of fact, it doesn't. Israel and Jordan and the other countries siphon off a lot of that water to feed their population. That's one of the reasons the Dead Sea is dying. And the Jordan River is a lot smaller today than it used to be. But not at that time. So just imagine if it ended in the area we call the Dead Sea. But it wasn't the Dead Sea. It was just Karka. So it was incredibly lush. Kikula Mashke. Kigan Hashem It was like the Nile Valley, the Delta, you know, with just what the Nile River gives it so lush. The foliage and the, the grass and this and that and the other. So it's perfect for economics of 4,000 years ago. You know, sheep and cattle, and, and after all, you can't have cities like Sodom, Amor, Admetzoyim, with that big water supply. So the whole Gansai Jordan, instead of flowing into the Dead Sea, you know, ended up, you know, in some big puddle or whatever, in a swampy area, a marshy area, uh, in that part of Israel. And from the advantage point, as I see, of the economy of thousands of years ago, it was ideal. So what I'm trying to say is like this. Lot moved to a boom town. And it was a new one, because the whole Saddam, they say, was 50, 55 years. It's in the Medrash. And, uh, so, and boom towns have certain characteristics, do they not? They're new. They're nouveau riche. They're, 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 they're full of these uh, types that, you know, self-made millionaires who are very uh, self-centered and all. It fits exactly what they're describing about Saddam. That, you know, Gaon Sivas Lechem, Shalvas Heshkat, they had peace and prosperity. They don't want to give anything to the poor. Uh, because, come and make it on your own. You know, how do I make my money? I worked hard for it, so you do the same thing. If you don't do it, heck with you. You know, you're a lazy bum. That kind of attitude. And Lot moves in there because Lot's loaded, so you know, they didn't have any problem with Lot coming in there. All those types of capitalist societies are glad to have a guy who comes with millions of dollars already, can only contribute to the local economy, and Lot does. As you know, he became a show fake, they say. Anyway, that's a Rashi. Uh, because he was at the gate of the city, so Lot uh, wasn't a chauffeur because they liked the way he looks, it's because he's loaded. And uh, he doesn't mind moving to Las Vegas, as it were. In other words, he doesn't mind moving to the heart of Manhattan, where all the fast life goes, because uh, of the economics. Uh, Avraham, what happens to him? He moves also from Basel, and he locates himself not too far away from Lot, does he? Because Avram is Be'elon Mamre, which is Hebron. Now, most of you have been in Israel, probably all. How far is Hebron 
in that area from the Dead Sea. It's not far, right? Not far. It's not next door, but it's not far. You can walk it. You know, you, you know what I mean. So it's interesting. Lot is located in the area of the Dead Sea, which at that time when the Dead Sea was Sodom. Avram is, is uh, you know, X number of miles away. To use modern terminology, Avram lived in Teaneck, and Lot chose to live in the heart of Manhattan, uh, you know, in the, in, in the red light district or something like that. And uh, even though morally it was problematic, but for economics, you do anything. So Lot becomes an emblem. That's what's interesting to me. Lot and Avram become an em- emblematic of the modern Jews' attempt to locate themselves by force, they have to, in an economically productive area, because it's got to make a living. Um, you know, on the other hand, to try to do so through selective appropriation. Can you live in Vegas a block away from Caesar's Palace and not be affected by the environment? Or more importantly, can you raise kids that way? Now, Jewish history is very funny. Uh, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't work. I was in uh, Vienna back in... July, I guess, with my tour group, and we went to that street, the Stadt Temple, which is uh, with the Jewish, uh, you know, synagogue, which is in the heart of a fancy schmancy, yuppie yuppie type area. And it was just interesting to see that the people running the restaurant or the shul or whatever it was, these Hasidim, uh, with kids with the payas, and the kids are playing outside in the street dressed up in the whole Hasidic garb, and all around them are couples, young Austrian couples running around, you know, undressed, yaf dressed and partying, I mean, I'm serious, and they have coffee shops and bars right all along that area, and these kids are like not noticing it, it was like just interesting to me, because here you are in the middle of Sodom, and uh, somehow they're able to make it work, at least, as I said before, I'm going by my observation, and that's what Lot's idea was, I'm going to locate myself in the middle of a place called Sodom, uh, I'm going to try to avoid for my kids and myself the bad habits, but I'm going to um, take advantage of the economic opportunities, because that's why Lot says there, you know, So Lot says, how can you turn down the uh, economic, economic situation over there? And hopefully it won't affect my family. As you know, and I know the story, by the time it's over, Lot loses everything, including most of his family. He's only left with the two unmarried daughters. The other daughters who were married to uh, Sodom people perished, right? Because the son-in-law, when he said that the, uh, you know, uh, the whole city is going to be destroyed, they thought he's nuts. And uh, the angels say, something like that, right? Let's take the surviving daughters. And as we all know, Lot and the surviving daughters end up having this, uh, you know, perverted relationship and, and so forth, this incest. So Lot's whole world collapses. That's my point. Uh, and by the way, what's interesting is Lot did not move away after the disaster of Kedarla Omer. Isn't that interesting? No, it was Lot moved there originally and uh, set up shop. Not long afterwards came the devastation of Sodom by Kedar Lomer and his armies. And, and, and Lot and everybody lost everything and, uh, you know, they were slaves and carried off. Avraham rescued them. You might think that Lot would say, maybe it's a sign from upstairs that <laughs> Sodom is not the best place in the world to live. Not a bit of it. He moved back to Sodom. He resettled with everybody else. And he was uh, firing away. The only thing is, he himself was not affected by it. So he figured it won't affect my kids. This is like American jewelry in the modern period. They move all over the place. Um, And economics, not Judaism, is the primary uh, criterion for where you move and where you live. And what kind of business you go into. And uh, the choices you make for your children in terms of education are primarily based on economics, not on Yiddishkeit. 
And by the time it's all over, you lose everything, just like Little lost everything. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Avraham, as I said before, lives near Sodom. But he's not in Sodom. He's in Tinek. You know, you can go into the city. There's no question that if, if, if Sodom was a boom town and Avraham lived in Elon Mamre, he dealt with business with them. I mean, he was a handler. He was a big businessman. Uh, Avraham was a millionaire. Remember that. Don't forget, they always were millionaires. Uh, which is interesting. That's why people didn't make fun of them. You know, if Avram says there's one God out there and the other idols are wrong, people ordinarily would say, who's that nut? But on the other hand, if the guy's loaded, they figure, mm, you know, when you're rich, they think you really know. You know, it's uh, obviously his religion hasn't hurt his his uh, economics. And so Avram got a respect. Uh, partly it's because he was a warrior, but partly because he was loaded. So Avram obviously did business with the you know, cattle and this and that and the other with the nearby people. So he dealt with Sodom, but he doesn't live in Sodom. His children are not going to be raised in Sodom. They can raise Elon Mamre. Now, by the way, Avram does not live in a Jewish neighborhood. There were no Jews. He had three Geisha friends. Oner, uh, Eshkel, and Mamre. That's what it says in the Chumash. Oner, Eshkel, and Mamre. So these were three Gentiles who seemed to have been uh, moral individuals, uh, as best we can tell. And, uh, you know, maybe Avram converted to monotheism, maybe didn't, Verves. You know, one would think that he did so. I think he maybe, uh, were they the ones circumcised? I don't remember. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, there is a Chazal that says that Mamre advised him to do the bris, you know, but the other two were against it. But I'm just saying, doesn't say in the Chumash exactly what the story with they are. So Avram lived also in a Gaisha neighborhood, but there's different types of Gaisha neighborhoods. You can live among Sodom. Or you can live in Honor Eshkel Mamre, two, two models. And they were rich. In fact, uh, I remember seeing the medrash last week, Eloni Mamre could mean the palace of Mamre, not only the tent of Mamre, you know. So uh, he, 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 let's put it this way, he lived in a gated community with richie riches, but uh, a different environment. You understand? In other words, it's not the decadence. It's not the uh, selfishness. Uh, because philosophically, the two may go hand in hand. Um, here's a question you can debate at your Shabbos table. Uh, was the uh, sexual decadence a result of their self-centeredness, which is reflected in the economic reluctance to share a penny with the poor, or is it the other way around? You know, is the economic stuff a result of the, uh, of the uh, other side? Uh, it's, I, I just find a very interesting uh, set of uh, dynamics and tales. So here you have the two models that we live in nowadays. Uh, for example, if you live in Baltimore, Maryland, where I live, so you're in the city, but you're not exactly in the city, right? You know, you're in a Jewish neighborhood. Because if you live in a regular Jewish neighborhood, it'd be problematic. You don't want to live in Sodom, right? You don't want to live in Sodom. I, there are areas you can move to, which you can, the house would be cheaper, the economics would be better, you, you, you might make the dollar stretch farther. Yeah, but you don't want to lose your kids. You want, you want a Jewish community. You want to live near a shul. Um, from communities in many places that are characterized by people who have a lot of money, but live in houses below what they could have possibly afforded if they moved somewhere else. Because like Avram, they'd rather live in Eloni Mamre. To be perfectly honest, Eloni Mamre sounds like the trees of Mamre. So it was like a certain oasis. So Avram lived in a tent. He'd rather live in a tent than a fancy house in Sodom. Huh? He'd rather live in a tent in Eloni Mamre. I'm sure it was a nice tent, but it was a tent in Eloni Mamre, rather than live in a nice house in Sodom because your kids will get messed up. That's what happens with The kids will get messed up. By the time it's all over, Lot lost everything. This is like I say before, the American Jews today. They, I'm talking about the now from. You know, they they uh, made all their choices in terms of economics, 
and now the grandchildren are not Jewish. It's, 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 it's kind of striking. And so it just seems to me that uh, among the stories in Vayero, the ones that are very nogea to us today would be this consideration of the two models. Do you want to, do, uh, of how a Jew locates himself and his family within a non-Jewish world. Uh, you can have the model of Elon and Mamre, or you can have the model of living in Sodom. Uh, but there's a price to pay. And from Jews in America, by and large, sort of organically, have tried to ad- opt for the Eloni Mamre model. Isn't that true? So you usually live in a marginal community, a little to the edge and the side, try to get a, a from neighborhood, as they call today, with walking distance from synagogues and you know local schools and all that kind. Of, it's an attempt to do that. Avram doesn't say, I'm going to live in the desert by myself and have nothing to do with any Goyim. It's not even possible. He has cattle, he has sheep, you know, he needs to, to be in society, not in the desert. Where does grass? He'll have to live among others. So how does the Jew locate himself that he's physically side by side with the others and not be affected by them? That is a great challenge. And um, in the case of Yishmael, it doesn't look like Avram was successful, at least based on what they say. In the case of Yitzhak, he obviously worked extra hard to make sure that that didn't happen. And therefore, it turns out, and with this I conclude, that the story of Avram and Lot uh, is, is very much no gay to us today because, uh, you know, Sodom is an ever, uh, ever-present reality, especially with modern technology, now they got the cell phones and the internet and all the rest, they could bring Sodom right in the house, you know. That's a speech already. But uh, all kidding aside, you know, if you're a parent or anything like that, how do you make sure that you live among the Kanani and Murray Prisi Busi and not end up like Lot? That, my friends, is a big challenge. I think it's one of the most interesting, and to my mind this year, as I sit here, the most interesting question raised by the Parsha of Aira. And with that, I bid you a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.